week on Dig Me Out, Tim and Jay Review happens twice by horse. These guys have got some skills in terms of songwriting and arranging. Um, less on the emo, more on the pop punk. I, I think we've long since proven that we're, yeah. we have no indie cred. So. Yeah, I, I care less about indie cred. Hello and welcome to another episode of Dig Me Out. I'm your host, Tim Minichi, and joining me once again, my co-host, Mr. Jason Ziak. Jay, we're back with another episode that you picked. Let's get a rally going. I'm raising my hands as if the wave is going by. <laughs> I'm putting my hat on inside out and backwards. Thank you. Uh, Jay, you picked the band Horse, and their, I believe, lone album happens twice. How did you stumble upon this album for our review? Um, let's see here. Actually, I think they have two releases. I have another release that is a split with Watershed, Columbus Band. Oh, okay. Um, it's a, I think both both bands do two songs. So it's a split single? Yeah. Um, so how did I come about this band? Uh, when we lived in Bowling Green, I had heard of the band then. Um, I believe... I gave it a listen at that time and sort of liked it, but didn't quite get it in that at that part of my life. Uh, we moved down to Columbus and we played with a band called, we formed a band. We ended up playing a band, uh, playing with a band called the smoking fags. And when we played with them, the info we got about them, I don't know if it was from talking to them or prior to the show or whatever, but um, it was brought up that these guys used to be in a band called Horse from Detroit. So uh, I really liked the Fags album. What they, they eventually changed their name from the Smoking Fags to the Fags. Um, I thought they were a great live band. Ended up picking up their EP and then later their album. Uh, loved that band. Thought they were excellent. And then over the years, got curious about, remember, remember that they were in Horse. Uh, got curious about it, went up and, and uh, went and dug it up a, a year or so ago, and here we are. Here we are. Thank you for ruining half of the history of this band, <laughs> which only consists of two sentences. <laughs> hey, I got to do the history of the band. Yeah. So let's do the history of the band. History of the band. Horse formed in Detroit, Michigan in 1997 by guitarist singer John Speck and drummer Jimmy Paluzzi, who had been formerly the drummer in Sponge. You'll notice I'm not mentioning the bass player because I do not know who was playing the bass. Their first album, Happens Twice, which we're reviewing, came out on RCA Records in 1997. The band then broke up. Speck and Paluzzi formed the aforementioned Smoking Fags and then the Fags. Their uh, album... Light 'em Up came out in 2006 with bassist Tim Padelin, I believe is how you pronounce his name. Mm. And they are now, uh, I believe that John Speck has a new band now called Hi-Fi Hand Grenades. And I don't know about releases from them and, or whatnot, but that's a very brief right. history of a uh, of, uh, horse. I do know some information that will come into play as we get into this release but essentially from what i understand 
Uh, Paluzzi got the deal along with Spec through uh, at RCR because of Sponge, and they were basically looking for another Sponge, another alt rock band. Huh. It's safe to say that they didn't get another Sponge. No. No. Since uh, you brought this record, I guess that means I am going first. Yeah, what did they get? What they got was actually kind of an interesting record in that, you know, nobody... This is not a a big selling record. I think that's safe to say uh, statistically and in terms of people knowing about this band. But what they got was sort of a precursor to what would become popular um, in a couple years following the release of this album. I'm thinking of bands such as Saves the Day and Get Up Kids and Ultimate Fake Book and Jimmy Eat World. This has a very late 90s, early 2000s, like emo pop punk sound to it. Mm. Um, Less on the emo, more on the pop punk tip. But I feel like if this album had come out just a few years later, this would have been a band that would have fit in like nicely on bills with those kinds of bands that, you know, paid attention to punk and and um you know the, the the melodic side of it but we're not afraid to i don't know say dial in a little bit of the harder edge from now here and there these guys definitely have a uh they have to have had a history in pop battle or pop you know hard rock of the late 80s and early 90s there's some heritage there because there's elements that I think in the most clever way, find their way forward. I, I think that's part of what you're, uh, you may be, maybe talking about there. Do you hear where I'm coming from in terms of, you know, I, I hear bands like Ultimate Fake Book and, and even like Super Drag as being oh, yeah. Yeah. bands in the same, you know, general area in terms of the, the Sonic, especially, I mean, just right out of the gate, the first song, Diamond. blast of i think they're playing um i think there's some alternate tuning going on there it almost sounds like drop d or some sort of uh, half step down tuning because it's yeah. not just a regular old uh power chord that they're playing there especially on the uh the intro and the outro of that song there's like uh yeah there's a, a little bit of a I, I, I guess i'll use the word dissonant uh it's mm-hmm. not, it's maybe doesn't go quite that far but there's just a little weirdness to it uh that makes it interesting um, and and then, you know, being familiar with the fags and, and a lot of, you know, more of this album, 
that's not typical for them. You know, there's moments where they kind of do that a little bit. They get a little uh, weird, a little darker, but for the most part, you know, their sweet spot is is doing you know, poppy hard rock. So it's interesting you picked up on that in the first song because I did too. The the rest of the album sort of it it, it um it bounces between what I would say is the sound of the first song, which is up tempo, uh, kind of a, a, a straight ahead pop punk sound, and then you get like every once in a while you get songs where they take a little bit more uh, of a laid back approach. Not laid back. Um, it's it's not as aggressive. Uh, the first time I hear that is in song five issue, yeah. which is halftime for uh, a lot of that song. It has an awesome guitar solo. I think they must have plugged straight in to get that tone because it's just blistering when they get to that guitar solo. It's it sounds awesome. And they do, uh, and that's how they do something clever where uh, they, they pull in the second verse a little bit just before that solo. So there's even more contrast between, you know, the, the loud, you know, crazy solo and, and the verse that preceded it. The other song that uh, stuck out to me was track eight, Paint the Town Red, which had this like ragged alt country. That's the wrong <laughs> vein I'm going for. But it, it, it had less of a... I guess it kind of reminded me of Cheap Trick on Steroids a little bit is what I would, I guess I would say. Yeah. Um, it's not as punky and as poppy and as up-tempo as a lot of the stuff. Um, it's a little more ragged and I, I kind of liked that. much of this is like a machine gun with the with the the way that the guitars and the drums are firing uh it's so in sync and so boom they're hitting on the one and it's just smashing you over the head with a lot of the guitar stuff yeah they, they um, don't mess around they don't no. mess around like they get right into something like as soon as the song starts they're right into a part so yeah there's no like drawn out intros there's <laughs> no you know allowing things to this is not the grays <laughs> where they're doing a, a three-minute-long instrumental intro to the to the song. Yeah, yeah. Um, there's also, and the one thing I would have liked to have heard a little bit more, 
for like a tenth of a second, I think there's a keyboard on the third track, Trivial. Hmm. Did you pick up on that? I don't think I did. It's like for one second, it's like somebody hit a Rhodes by by accident. You know what? You, yeah, you know what? I think I did, and it was kind of thing like, tell me if you're if I'm if I heard if you're talking about the same thing. You sort of hear it. And you're like, was that a keyboard? Yeah. And then it doesn't. You don't really hear it again. No. <laughs> you're sort of like, what? Well, maybe I just that was just a guitar ringing out weird or something. <laughs> and I think I would have liked to have heard a little bit of keyboard on some of these songs. That was my only complaint because the rest of the album is pretty solid and pretty strong, and it does get a little. I think on the back end, a, a little bit repetitive, but I, I don't think it's a necessarily a knock, especially if you like this style of music, which I'm not always the biggest fan of. I, I can't say that I'm a huge Saves the Day or Get Up Kids fan, like I mentioned in that pop punk emo sense. Track 11 is a interesting track because it actually sounded like Sponge to me, yeah. but I don't think... Uh, is it? Am I wrong? Is it the guy from Sponge actually singing on that song? Well, like, this is what's this is what's weird. I don't I don't know the answer to that, but I had I had the same thing. I tracked eleven and track nine actually okay. sound like Sponge. They sound like a different person singing, mm-hmm. and the singing sounds like the guy from Sponge. It does. But we know we know the drummer didn't sing for Sponge, right? Although the drummer and Sp- the singer in Sponge used to be a drummer but we won't go down that road. Uh, why do I know so much about Sponge? Jesus Christ, I, this band comes up so much during this I know. <laughs> you would think that Sponge was Pearl Jam. Oh, my Lord. I, it's just, I don't know what's going on. So anyway, what? yeah, that's what's funny is that those two songs sound a lot like Sponge. They don't sound like, they sound very uh, different from the rest of the album. And, uh, you know, we're talking about the drummer is the common piece in both bands. Uh, it sounds like he he must be singing, and the way that he sings actually is like the guy in Sponge. So maybe he did he maybe he wrote the songs in Sponge and like that's why he ended up getting a deal. I mean maybe he wasn't just a tr- you know drummer that, which you know kind of makes sense. Not like they're just gonna throw a record deal at a drummer. Maybe he was a songwriter in Sponge and decided to leave. And the record label was like, hey, this this is the guy that does all the writing. So well, based on the decline that Sponge experienced, I would not be surprised if he was involved with the songwriting. Right, because uh, they went downhill after that, right? I mean, well, you know the the first album. It's pretty solid. The second album, they they try to venture into some new territory, and it's not necessarily successful. You know, they're trying to, I don't know, ape a little Nine Inch Nail vibe and, and Marilyn Manson vibe. Um, not wax Marilyn ecstatic. Manson. Yeah, Wax Ecstatic. I like that song, though. I don't know about the rest of the album, but I thought that song was cool. Uh, I remember liking two or three songs on the on the second one, which... 
for people who are into, you know, the alternative side of, or the really alternative side of the 90s, Sponge is probably not the best band to <laughs> talk about in terms of um, your indie cred, but I, I think we've long since proven that we're, yeah, we have no indie cred. So yeah, I, I could care less about indie cred. So we're not worried about that. So, yeah, there's probably, you know, I, I think the first Sponge album was pretty solid. Um, but I definitely hear the songwriting, which I, I think we're both right to think that they, he was involved in the songwriting. Well, on those two With songs, for sure. Yeah. I think the rest of them, though, are are spec. I mean, that they sound like, you know, fairly close to what uh, the, the Fags stuff sounds like. And that's really about his voice. This album is very much about his voice. He has a very, very unique and uh, distinctive and expressive voice it sounds like he must smoke a lot of cigarettes i mean it's really gravelly but he can deliver he can deliver a melody with it he can deliver hooks with it and he even lets you know there's parts of this album where he pushes it to the point where it like breaks but it still sounds awesome Mm -hmm. (laughs) because he doesn't like it doesn't like um go off pitch or anything you know it just kind of like it's almost like a guitar, you know, getting distortion or something. It's crazy. It's kind of like uh, uh, the John, you know, John Reese from Rock from the Crypt. We talked yes. about, you know, oh, he has that like voice that sounds like it's, you know, sh- shredded by razors. I mean, this guy kind of ha- he's in that he, he kind of has that uh, characteristic to his voice, but he can actually sing, which is really cool. So for me, you know, a lot of the, the rest of this album aside from those two songs the rest of it is is really driven by his, his voice and what he can do with it and then obviously the songwriting on this i mean these guys have got some skills in terms of songwriting and arranging there's all kinds of dynamics there's all kinds of cool you know uh layering texturing in um there's all, all kinds of just acrobatics between the guitar and the drums like you said um great guitar tones um, they're really, you know, ragged and raw, but, you know, th- there's some times when they get a little bit grating, but 99, you know, I would say 90% of the time, you know, they just sound great. Drums sound really good and real, it, you know, it sounds like a real band, you know, for the most part playing in a room. Um, obviously there's some overdubs on here and stuff for, for some of the guitar part, solos and things, but, um, you know, so I think it's really driven by his voice uh the tone and the sound of the band um and ultimately the songwriting i mean there's some songs on here that could be legitimate radio hits i think you know track two oh tuesday um, morning yeah it's tuesday super morning, poppy super poppy i mean there's no reason why that that couldn't have been a huge radio hit
even at the time it came out. I mean, I agree they would have done better, like you said, a couple years later. But even at that time, it's like, geez, it's every bit as good as as what was going on on the radio at that time. Well, from what I understand in, in reading about it is that the label basically buried the record. That they didn't hear any hits. That's insane. I mean, you got to think. 97, this album comes out in 97, the same year, the exact same year that you got the Spice Girls, you got Hanson, you got the Backstreet Boys, you got, you know, all that stuff coming out. And you have the, uh, you have the electronic Chemical Brothers prodigy. That stuff is making a huge dent in alternative college radio. So a lot of people are not looking for a band as straightforward, straight up rock as this band was well i mean they're probably weren't they're not polished enough i mean it sounds weird because they are very good musicians um you know they're very tight we saw a different form of the band but essentially the same band you know years later they were tight as hell uh the vocal you know they do harmonies they're all good but there's a just a little bit of a it goes just probably too far in terms of pop production there's you know so there's some gnarly guitar sounds. There's some points, like I said, where his voice, not only is it ragged most of the time, but, I mean, there's some points where he pushes it and it really gets, you know, broken. Um, he swears on, like, half the album. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> he drops F-bombs on, on on a lot of these songs, even even on the super poppy ones, you know, that that got awesome hooks. You know, he's drop, dropping F-bombs on them, so that's, that's not going to help. And, you know, it doesn't, uh, you know, if you listen to radio... Radio rock. I mean, you know, the drums don't have any room sound at all. You know, they sound very processed and in your face, and you know, it's just a lot of like the way this is produced. I, I love it. It sounds like a pure, awesome rock record. But in terms of pop radio, it needs to be more homogenized, um, especially at that time, because you're saying like this is sort of the resurgence of boy bands again that we're going through at this point in time and everything is super produced and like you know probably new metal was kind of big then which is also super Mm -hmm. produced and so even the stuff that's you know heavy and aggressive is way overproduced and this is you know coming from a totally different perspective it it almost i think they would fit better with the the garage scene that was i'm not sure on the timeline here but i'm gonna say it's coming up just a little bit later so the white stripes and that whole thing. I was thinking they, even like Lucifer and um, you know the helicopters and backyard babies that they would have been a, a good band to open that those sort of bills. And that was about two years later that that really yeah. started to take Nin- off. So ninety nine two thousand. They kind of missed, you know, and that was the same time that sort of Detroit that happened and the the garage thing happened and um, the hives happened and you know that stuff all started coming two three years later and i think that the way that they were produced would have fit that you know and the way they played and and just what the band was about from a aesthetic standpoint would have fit that movement pretty well but from a songwriting standpoint i mean really it's kind of timeless you know i i i think these songs sound just as good now as they probably you know did then what's funny though is like i said when we started this this episode off is that when I heard this album, when it came out, I, I think I was just in a different place, you know, sort of in a different music at that time. And it didn't quite, I guess I wasn't ready for the 
for the hooks yet. Like I was still sort of into like Dinosaur Jr. and Afghan Wigs, Catherine Wheel, and I was sort of getting into those bands a lot more and more, and you know, sort of moodier music and stuff. And I, I, I wasn't really into hooks then, like this. I mean, these are pretty. You know, at the core of this, this is these could be Brian Adams songs for God's sakes. You know, <laughs> they're like Brian Adams songs on steroids with heavier, louder guitars and more attitude. Um, and I, more I wasn't thinking about lyrics. that, but that's not a bad uh, comparison. <laughs> There's know, a little like, run to you in these. Yeah, so it's like at their core, they could if they were performed by somebody else, they could be like that. You know, they would be nearly as interesting to me, but with know, less f bombs. <laughs> so yeah I, I i i've since i've dug this up within the last uh, year or so you know the more i listen to it the more i like it there's it's one of those albums where you know, you're drawn in by the hook you notice his vocal you know at the end of the day you know vocal is super important that's really i think in a lot of cases what we react to is as listeners to music right it's like whether or not we like the vocal so you're drawn in by that and you're drawn in by the by the hooks but the more you dig into it the more you listen to it you there's all kinds of really cool nuances that the drummer's doing that you probably don't hear on the first listen or two um just a lot of like just cool dynamics you know stop starts start analyzing the song structures you know they come in some of the songs they come in on, a, on the chorus but it's an instrumental or they come right in on this really catchy verse you know the vocals like right out the gate starts a couple songs have little intros and outros that are unique you know the only time you hear them in the song or or for those parts like song one so there's just a lot of like really well crafted songwriting that on here that you know as you start to break it apart and the more and more you listen to it you appreciate it more and more so it, it's it's cool in that it's a pop record that i think it's a pop hard rock record that i think has a lot to give the more you listen to it and that that's not always the case you know there's a lot of uh stuff that that has the hooks and has that stuff to draw you in but when you kind of spend more and more time with it you actually you know you may like it less it, it may not show anything new to you make it kind of flat and boring after after you know some time so we mentioned a lot of bands that we think that this band would have sounded good playing with in terms of who you think this album is for uh, one album that I kept hearing that I think if you like this band and you like this particular album, this is going to be something you're going to like, is the Jimmy Eat World self-titled album, which was originally called Bleed American. But um, I'm just thinking of that, the, the, the lead single on that. It's a super aggressive guitar part, and it reminded me a lot of this album um, in terms of the... That's when they sort of embraced pop. And they moved away from the little bit more angular stuff they were doing on Clarity. It's a bit more of a, I guess, I don't want to say it's a difficult record. It's not like it's a progressive rock record or anything like that. But it's it's not as blatantly, you know, poppy as songs like The Middle. And Does that make sense, that, that particular Jimmy Eat World album and oh, the stuff sure, that's yeah. followed? Yeah. I mean, if you, if you like hooks and, and loud guitars... Well, I, I think that there's a there's a specific. I, I think there are some people who, if you told them that this band is really loud and you know aggressive, and they might think that this is hard rock. And I'm here, and I think what we're trying to say is no, this is a lot more poppier than you're probably going to expect. 
if you listen to it twice, they're probably going to get some hooks in your head that you didn't really anticipate getting. Um, but specifically, you know, for people who maybe were a little too young when this came out, and maybe in the last 10 years, because Jimmy Eat World has continued to put out records, they might have missed those first couple albums, and, and the album that I'm referencing might be like the first Jimmy Eat World album that they know. Yeah. People in their 20s or whatever. Um, and I think or, you're right in that, you know, some of the bands we've brought up, the thing that, that this band is not, they're similar to those bands in some ways, but the thing that they are not is they, and that, that I like, is they don't have any element of emo in them. You know, it's no. like, so if you strip that piece out of all those bands, you know, you'd be closer to what this band is. I think they're fairly unique in that. So I think they're coming more from the cheap trick school. Oh, definitely. Well, <laughs> and, and some, some of these bands are probably more rooted in, um, you know, hardcore as their starting point and then kind of grew to more pop from that. I think they're starting in pop and I think they're moving to more alternative as they go forward. Just, you know, trying to, as I listen to it, you know, like I said, there's, there's also, they're very confident at their instruments. And I know, you know, when we played with them, you can kind of tell what their age was. So I'm guessing they're probably five or so years older than us, maybe 10 years older than us. So Mm -hmm. I think it's realistic to say that, you know, uh, they were playing and making music in the late eighties. And I'm going to guess it wasn't, you know, Susie and the Banshees. (laughs) It no, was probably, I, uh, it was probably faster pussycat. Van Halen, you know what I mean? So there is a, uh, those elements, I think, you know, in some of the guitar solos and some of the dynamics that's going on, uh, some of the song structures, those come out, I think. But like I said earlier, to me, in the best possible ways. You know, I brought up Ultimate Fake Book and, and some of those bands and Super Drag, but with the one that we sort of touched on at the beginning was Watershed which I think is a little bit more well-known, especially regionally. You know, these guys were from Detroit, and, and we're based out of Columbus, and Watershed's from Columbus. but And they split the single, um, and I, there's so many similarities to Watershed. I, I think of Watershed in a little bit more, not as, as aggressive uh, musically as, as these guys are, and then they have a natural... Um, vocally, they're just a little bit more poppy, just naturally, in the, in the way that... Uh, Colin and Joe sing. Although I think yeah. he, he approaches more Joe's uh, singing style than Colin's. Would is that fair to say? Um, yeah, I think that in general they're. I would say they're more in your face. <laughs> um, a little bit, you know, they're more aggressive than than what I know of Watershed. Um, but yeah, I mean, they obviously they did a split single together. I'm sure they played a tons of shows together. Uh, being that this band's from Detroit and Watershed's from Columbus, and you know, in terms of being a regional bands, you're going to cross paths quite a bit. So, uh, and there was definitely some sort of, you know, there was some movement going on in the Midwest at that time for bands like this. You know, I think Super Drag at that at this time was was doing a similar sound. Um, you know, I think there was a lot, as you know, Sponge in some ways is similar to this band, and they were still kicking around and had been around for a little while and. Mm-hmm. Um, I, you know, I think there was a there was a resurgence in the Midwest and and, uh, and uh, you know a little bit throughout the rest of the country to try to get back a little bit to um, you know pop songwriting and, and and trying to figure out can we get back to really you know hooky hard rock stuff but trying to keep some of the 
you know, some of the edge and some of the aesthetic that came through during, you know, the mid nineties and early nineties. Um, and you know, can the lyrics get a little, can, you know, can the lyrics keep a, a, a quality of that era, but also, you know, can we bring some of the hooks from the, from seventies rock and some of the, you know, the, those sorts of sounds, can we bring those back and see what happens? And I think a lot of, you know, bands were trying to do that at this time. So I think they were part of a movement like that. Another band that came to mind for me was, um, hot water music a little bit because, uh, especially the, the later stuff, um, they, you know, they, they have more of a, um, post-hardcore beginning but vocally you know the the singer has a also has a really you know ragged sounding voice and uh i'm sure both these guys smoke a lot like a ton (laughs) (laughs) uh but i would say that you know vocally if you're into his his voice you might be into uh uh horse or um and i'm I'm assuming that's how they got the name of the band (laughs) thinking about it his his voice is pretty hoarse um, oh, good call. And the fags, uh, I think, uh, you know. Which is British slang for a cigarette. Yeah. And uh, there you go. Wow. We're putting it all together right now. We are We are putting the clues together. We're going to unravel this mystery. <laughs> but that, that might J- be a band. John, Spe- uh, John Speck likes to smoke. If you're into them, you, you may like. If you're into their, the poppier side of them and, and the, the more hard rock side of them, you might be into this. And. That could lead you to, you know, bands like Gaslight Anthem and stuff like that. Sort of the Bruce Springsteen resurgence. <laughs> yeah, I was going to mention uh, that's a good that's a good one there. Um, Gaslight Anthem is is if it, that's a band that you're into now, uh, you would probably want to check out this band. I think you know, especially their up tempo stuff. The they tend to go a little they tend to downshift on a lot of the deeper tracks in their albums, but. Um, you know the, the the radio stuff it tends to be the up-tempo stuff and i think that that's right in line with a lot of this um were there any other bands like current bands that you thought that if people were into those bands they might want to check this out boy i mean any of the uh you said like the helicopters clues for any of the bands that are sort of the um you know the resurgence of the the pop metal or the hard rock um 70s hard rock stuff i mean there's a ton of bands i like that from australia and Jet. like air airborne and stuff like that you know where it's it's just getting back to you know acc acdc cheap trick style classic rock writing you know completely just honest and uh just celebrating that style of of, of hard rock so if you're into any of those bands I, I wouldn't say there's any reason why you wouldn't be into this the living end stuff like that yeah good call on the living end uh i think i think we have covered horse i think we have spent more time on them than their own record label did so <laughs> we're happy uh, to um bring this to light to people who missed them yeah and you said it's a what was it on epic R- rca rca yeah so yeah that's interesting because you cannot find this album anymore <laughs> no it's impossible it's deleted it's yeah. gone it's been wiped from the earth I only I only was able to listen to it because you actually have the physical CD. There's no you can't even you can't find an illegal download of it. I don't think you can find it any. Is it? It's not streaming anywhere. I don't think. No. So, good luck out there. If you want to listen to this album, we'll have a link to uh, probably somebody selling it on Amazon for uh, a nickel or nine thousand dollars, one or the other, due to its rare rare quality. Thanks, Jay, 
for uh, bringing this one. You have hit one out of the ballpark again with your pick. Man, I'm bet I'm betting a thousand. Yeah, last one was Corrosion of Conformity was last of your picks, and uh, I think we've got a uh, pick coming up in a couple of weeks of yours. I will not give it away, but it starts with jelly and ends with fish. So <laughs> we'll be getting to that uh, sometime soon. But hey, we've got some uh, some cool interviews coming up. I'm not going to spoil them, but uh, they are going to be really exciting for us. Uh, Jay and I have been bothering musicians that we admired in the 90s and some of them are actually going to take the time out to speak with us so we're super psyched and we can't wait to share these interviews with you uh, once we actually do them Um, they might be disastrous and we might end up regretting this whole thing but i think it's going to turn out cool so stay tuned to the website we'll probably uh preview once we get them in the can and we can actually say that the interview is done we might tease them on the website so or facebook or twitter make sure you're following us but yeah we're excited for that jay tell them you're excited i'm on e-music right now yeah looking to see if horse was on here mm-hmm. and they don't have this album but they do have the watershed split right and the thing that's interesting is that the first two horse songs are called wallflower child and tight package which are not on the album no. Then there's then there's two watershed out songs, and the fourth, or I'm sorry, the second watershed album is titled "Paint the Town Red." Hmm. So I was just sampling to see if it's a cover of a horse song, which I don't think it is. They just both happen to have songs called "Paint the Town Red," or maybe that maybe they knew each other and that was a phrase that they tossed around when they go on killing sprees. Who maybe. knows? Yeah. So there you go. You can at least get two songs off of music. There you go. All right. That's it. Thanks, everybody, for listening. And we'll be back next week with another episode of Dig Me Out. Want to leave feedback? Join the conversation about this episode. Visit digmeoutpodcast.com for links to our Facebook page and Twitter feed.